Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! For Thursday, July 20th, 2023, Graham G. Matthews here. As always, being joined by the one, the only, the illustrious Mr. Marceau. Brother, what's going on? Doing well, how are you? I'm still recovering from Dynamite last night in Boston, Blood and Guts, as we talked about earlier. My voice is still a little bit shot, so you got to bear with me. But we're going to save those thoughts for a little bit later on, talking all about Dynamite from last night, my on-site report from the show. I'm looking forward to talking about that. We will review Raw shortly, as well as uh, one interesting note from NXT, a title change. Not a lot of people were expecting and how to potentially could affect the SummerSlam card and the ramifications currently in WWE. But all this and much more on today's WrestleRant Radio. If you want to check out the show every single week, every single Thursday, here on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Um, but let's get right into it, Mr. Marceau. I thought it was a good week for wrestling programming. Uh, Raw, I thought, was a uh, pretty good show on Monday night in Atlanta. Very hot crowd from start to finish. And Dynamite, I also thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, again, being there, I was, I'm was i obviously biased. But in Boston, their TD Garden debut. The real Garden, according to you, right? It is. I was actually in both gardens uh, two weeks in. <laughs> two weeks in a row, kind of. I was in the, the 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 real garden, that being the Madison Square Garden, two weeks ago, and I was in TD Garden last night. So, uh, we got to get the yeah, MSG one of these days. I know you're a big a New York fan. Guy. I'm a Barclays guy. Fuck <laughs> MSG. <laughs> it's a lot easier getting MSG, but we'll we'll, we'll we'll save that for a rainy day. But um, you know, TD Garden is a great arena, though. It's very close to everything that we were at yesterday before we went to the show. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Raw for Monday, Mr. Marshall. Let's not waste any time here. Let's get right into it. We open up with a very good segment. Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes officially setting the stage for their SummerSlam match. Which, by the way, they're using Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf for the pay-per-view theme, which is fucking cool. Um, you know, real song, obviously, but a classic tune at that. Just That has Vince McMahon written all over it, but that's that's a positive. That That's actually really cool that they're doing that and using it for the pay-per-view as the uh, official theme. But anyway, Brock and Cody Rhodes official for SummerSlam, match number three. No stipulation announced just yet. Pretty simple stuff here, though. Cody Rhodes comes out, gets the hometown hero of reception, calls out Brock Lesnar, doesn't get Brock Lesnar, walks to the back, gets destroyed with a chair when he's not looking, and Brock beats him up all around ringside in front of his family, including in the ring, and says, I'll see you at SummerSlam, bitch, which was those same words in a different order were uttered by Ronda Rousey later on in the show, so they clearly did not uh, match up scripts for their promos and what they were going to say, but that match was made official, Brock and Cody for SummerSlam. Cody's documentary, by the way, that he's been talking about for a couple of weeks now, um, Becoming Cody Rhodes, the new Peacock documentary drops, I think, on the Monday before SummerSlam, that being Monday, July 31st. So that'll be worth checking out as well. They don't do the 24s anymore and shit like that for whatever reason, but they do stuff like this. They did one on Ric Flair last year, and I'm looking forward to watching this one. But anyway, your thoughts in the opening segment, Cody and Brock, officially official, as we probably already assumed, for SummerSlam and how you think this whole thing played out. Yeah, I thought this was... I feel like they've done this a few times. Just like him and Brock are just like brawling all the time. Um, I thought it was done well. Uh, I don't think they announced the stipulation, which I figured would happen. So I don't know if we're going to get one or we're just going to get another standard one-on-one match with them. But uh, I thought it was pretty good. At least that this direction we all start going in. It's not too surprising. But for what they've done, I thought it's been good. I'm interested. They said the music choice is good. Uh, I just I'm just waiting on a stipulation, honestly. And listen, it was a match that I didn't overly wasn't overly excited for when they first kind of headed in this direction because I wish this feud had ended a couple of months ago. There's really not a lot of meat in the bone here, and that's no slight on the performers involved. But WWE simply has not given Brock a reason for why he attacked Cody Rhodes in the first place. It's become a meme even on the show. Cody Rhodes has acknowledged that. There's no reason why Brock went after Cody. So that then that then begs the question: Why should I care? 
but they've done a good job of heating the feedback up. The crowds the last couple of weeks have been into it, and we have, I think, two Raws left before the pay-per-view this coming Raw and the Monday after that, and um, they'll probably, hopefully, announce a stipulation then. I would only imagine. I know it's kind of implied, oh, the winner probably is next in line for a World Heavyweight Championship opportunity, which I don't really want to see. I'd rather Cody going after the other belt over on SmackDown, but that's probably not happening anytime soon, if ever, but I assume it still will, just not until WrestleMania. But regardless, I really liked the segment, thought it was well done. Uh, We had Gunter and Matt Riddle running it back from Money in the Bank, this time in non-title action. The rest of Imperium were banned from ringside, Drew McIntyre not on the show. Filming a movie right now, Dave Bautista actually, not a WWE Studios film, but I I don't know what the, uh, the studio is. They were filming in Canada, so I guess it's not affected by the current strike going on. Um, I don't know exactly how that works and how they're able to film over there, but not in the States. I don't know, but that's why Drew was not on the show this week. Goon turned Riddle in their in his absence, um, having a really good match, non-title. Um, they didn't get a lot of time. This only went about eight, nine minutes, but I love their chemistry. They had a really fun match. Gunter goes over clean. That's key. He kind of goes off on the audience afterward and kind of calling out Drew McIntyre, who he will go face-to-face with next week on Raw. Now, we've said before this match is probably being made official for the pay-per-view, are Gunter's days as Intercontinental Champion numbered? And uh, your thoughts on the Gunter-Riddle matchup from Raw? Um, I thought was, this was a good match. I feel like they've had pretty decent chemistry, and I thought, for especially for a Raw match, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, like you said, I, I think we're... I think we're going to see the end of Gunther, but I just also feel like he could, could retain here. I just... I feel like getting the belt on Drew is nice, but I just... I don't really see the longevity of it. Like, he's a main eventer. Like, yeah, I guess you could put the Intercontinental title on, but, like, Guthers had this huge reign. It's not really going to prop the belt up or Drew, honestly. Like, he's then if he wins the belt, he's going to face Gunther, okay? Then you beat him again, and just then you'd go to, like, what heels are you even, you'd put in that role. I guess you could have, like, the Judgment Day and stuff like that. But, I don't know, I feel like I would probably hold the belt on to Gunther a little bit longer. I just... I don't know. I feel like it's not like the belt. Like usually, we always say like if the belt needed needs like a prop up, it's like okay, put it on like a main eventer to like kind of get the the ball rolling here. But with Drew, I just feel like he's above that. But they just haven't really put him in like a main event program. So I would keep on Gunther, but I could see him also losing the belt if that's their decision. Yeah, I mean, he seems like a pretty good candidate to take the championship from Gunther. I would not want to see that, not because I don't like Drew, but I'd rather see Drew in the World Heavyweight Championship picture. I'd rather see someone really elevated with that championship by beating Gunther. He's not been pinned since arriving on the main roster, really in his entire WWE career in the last four and a half years. I You could probably count the amount of people that have beaten Gunther and pinned Gunther on one hand. Uh, Drew being one of them, actually, he suffered his first loss of any kind at Survivor Series 2019 in that Raw SmackDown NXT elimination match. Drew pinned him in like five minutes, which was dumb, but which they haven't referenced, and I don't expect them to, but you could, really. Um, but he beat him. Uh, Ilya Dragunov beat him for the championship. I think he pinned him also in a tag team match back in 2020. I think that's about it. Braun Breaker, I know, beat him in an NXT championship match in Gunter's uh, final NXT title match the night at, or a couple days after WrestleMania last year. So I think it's just Braun, Ilya, and Drew are the only people to have beaten uh, Gunter in WWE and have, have pinned him. So that that's it. And uh, Drew would not add his name to the list. He's already on that list. I just don't think he needs to be the one to beat Gunter for that championship. Um, I just feel like you've come so far with him as champion, and you probably will not have another reign like this ever again. Uh, he's He's come so close to this record. He's breaking it in like a month and a half. So he has to survive SummerSlam. He'd have to survive the payback pay-per-view as well over Labor Day weekend. If he could do those things, then he will become the longest reigning Intercontinental Champion of all time, which I hope he does. At this point, we're so close. That Mania, I didn't really care because it felt like Sheamus' time to win it would have been then, but he lost. So at this point, I would just break the record. Um, Speaking of title changes, though, we had one on Raw this week in the form of the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green, your new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Now, I know it's hard to care because the titles have changed hands, what, three, four times in the last couple of months? It's gone from these two winning it. Before them, it was Liv and Raquel. At, at, that was at uh, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, almost three weeks ago. Before that, it was Ronda and Sheena who held it for a month. They won it on the Memorial Day Raw. Prior to that, the belts were vacated because Liv and Raquel were injured. Uh, they won the championships in April, and before that, it was Becky and Lita in March. So we've had probably five different tag team title changes. It's impossible to care. 
Now, the fact that they did this doesn't bother me, because the way they did it made sense. Before the match, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Rodriguez got into a backstage, and Rhea Ripley, it didn't hardly, it hardly connected, it just didn't look good. Uh, Rhea hit Raquel on the knee, quote-unquote, that hurt Raquel, and Raquel was kind of going into this match at a disadvantage. She was not pinned here, but that's because they're protecting her for the match with Rhea. So Liv kind of had to go at it alone. She kicked out of, I think, Sonya's finisher at one point, or maybe the Unprettier as well, actually, the un unpretty or whatever the fuck it's called. And she kicked out of finishers, and then she ended up just falling victim to the numbers game, and they lost the belts. So that's fine, because Raquel, if they're doing Raquel and Rhea either at SummerSlam or soon after or whatever, um, it makes sense for Raquel and Rhea, or rather Raquel and Liv, to not be tag team champions. My question then becomes, if that's the case... Why put the belts on them in the first place? And then the answer is, well, they had to get the belts off of Ronda and Shayna for them to begin their feud. Why not have Isla Dawn and uh, Alba Fire beat Ronda and Shayna in that unification match about a month ago? I mean, they haven't been on TV since, and that was four weeks ago. So we got more chaos in the women's tag team division. It's hard to care, but I do think, ultimately, this was the right move, albeit unexpected, just so you can get the tag titles off of Raquel and Liv, so it frees up Raquel for Rhea, probably at SummerSlam. Yeah, I mean, I think... I, I just feel like you you said it kind of per like literally you said it perfectly honestly I just I mean I guess it's nice because they got the belts off Rhea or Raquel and Liv but I mean they should just had Isla and Alba beat Shane on Rana that starts off their feud and then if you really want to do Raquel and Liv to like kind of get their chance at the belts and that they didn't really lose you could still do that and like maybe Rhea screws like mm-hmm. Rhea helps Dawn and and fire retain and then that's how you get the genesis of that i just you should just kept the belts on them they would have had two big wins and then they'd have some momentum but no you have them lose shana and uh ronda lose then like a couple weeks later then you have Liv and raquel lose the belts to green and deville i think given the right push i feel like they could be a decent team but like they basically have been like a job team for the last few months like yeah they're on raw all the time but they lose constantly so i mean they were built up a little bit more. Like, I think I wouldn't have had that big of an issue with it, but they, like I said, they, they lose constantly. And when you could have just kept the belts on Dawn and Fire, they could have gained so much more momentum. We haven't seen them since. Just to put the belts on Chelsea and, and Sonya, I just, I don't know, it's kind of like backwards booking, if you ask me. Yeah, I just, I just don't get it. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I mean, they are a fine team. They are going to be good fits as tag team champions, but... There's no real division to speak of, really. I mean, they have Caden Carter, Katana Chance. Most of those teams that were... You beat them multiple... Didn't they already beat... They beat Green and DeVille, too. Yeah, they've beaten each other. Katana and Chance... uh, Chance and Carter, rather. They beat in their debut match, I think, or in another match. It wasn't their debut, but it was soon after. It wasn't their debut. It was was the next week. They lost to Baszler and Ron in their first match. But they beat DeVille and Chelsea Green and like... Three minutes. Yeah, and then last week, they already lost to him, too. They had a match last week, did DeVille and Green, against Chance and Carter, and they beat them then, so it's not like, I mean, I guess you can go back to it, but I've already seen it twice in the last month, so I don't really care about that. We have also yet to see any of these women, as the tag team champions, go to NXT. That was the whole purpose, I thought, that they could defend them in NXT. Now, I don't really care about the division, not because the idea of it, but because of how they booked it. I think everyone can agree with that. Um, they have some teams in NXT that, you know, they have uh, Lola Vice, Electra Lopez. I guess we have, what, heel tag team champions now? So you have Yulisa uh, Leone, I think her name is, and Valentina Feroz. You have that tag team there, among others. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't really understand what they've been doing with the tag team division. It just, it's, it's always been a mess. This is hardly anything new. I'm not surprised, but this is the right call to make Raquel champion free going into that matchup. But I honestly kind of like the idea I don't think they're going to do this, but I like the idea of giving Raquel to Rhea first and then building to Rhea and Liv. Now, I know not neither match is going to be a barn burner by any means, but I do think, I mean, they could be actually because Rhea's had great chemistry with both women. Um, they're probably not going to get great storyline support, but what do you think is the bigger attraction, so to speak? What match would you rather see? I mean, we're obviously getting Raquel and Rhea at some point. I think that is a lesser attraction than than Liv and Rhea, who have more history, probably better chemistry, and more people care about Liv Morgan. That probably won't be the SummerSlam match. It's kind of ass-backwards. That's the match I'm looking forward to. We'll probably get it next week on Raw, and it'll be over in five minutes. But I do think you can build that as a future program after Raquel gets her shot and loses. No, yeah, I, compl- I think Liv and Rhea is the more 
sexy match. I just feel like you said they have history, makes more sense, more people like live as it is. I like Raquel. I, just, I mean, I've said it, I could probably beat this is like your Cody debate. I could beat this on the ground. I just feel like her as a baby face doesn't work. But I also feel like if they do Raquel and live, Raquel and Rhea first, you could have, like you said, Rhea beats Raquel on to live. Live like we'll probably lose. I'm assuming she'll lose, but then maybe you, that could like cause a split between Raquel and Liv. Like she thought you could do what I couldn't do. I don't know. Raquel needs to go heel. So I think like out of the best case scenario is she comes out heel somehow at the end of this. But um, I would say, looking on paper, I'd rather see Liv and Rhea than Raquel and Rhea. Yeah, I mean the best way to get heat, we've seen it a lot lately with uh, Trish and Becky and Ronda and Shayna would be to have Raquel turn on Liv at some point. Again, it's so predictable, not predictable, but it's so like basic. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty. It's, well, I would say predictable, but it's not. I don't. I don't think that's what they're gonna do. I think they will keep Raquel as a baby face, but I don't think. Yeah, I agree and I disagree, and I think you would agree with this. I don't think she not works as a baby face. I just think that you have to have her be a heel first, like an NXT. She was a heel for a while, and then she became a baby face because people liked her because she kind of earned that respect. She wasn't the the most compelling character of all time, but she had a pretty good character arc, and it made sense for her to turn face because Dakota turned on her, and they were a heel duo. Um, so it made sense. We haven't really had that on the main roster. Her character arc in the main roster has been her showing off her back, and that being about it. She's won the tag titles, what, three times? Um, that's really her ceiling is the tag team division. Now, she's facing Rhea probably at some point, whether it be at SummerSlam or on Raw, for the WWE, or rather the Women's World Championship, or whatever they call it. And she probably won't win. I don't think she should. But we need more reasons to care about her. I think Raquel's great, but I think they need to do a better job of defining her character. Now, I know that's like saying the sky is blue. No shit. But um, it just kind of hammers home that point when we see stuff like this and she gets attacked like no one gives a shit because she's just not over on her own. She might be over with Liv because people like Liv, but she's not over currently on her own because we've been really given no reason to give a shit about her. So um, I'd rather see Liv and Rhea at some point. I've said to you before, I think Liv beating Rhea honestly wouldn't be the worst. I'd rather see Liv as champion again over Becky Lynch anytime soon. I, I love Becky. Becky will end up back in the title picture soon. She hasn't been in the title picture in a long time, so I get it. Um, at the same time, though, I, I'm good on another Becky run for a while. I'd, ra- I'd rather see Liv get the run that she did not get last year because she got fucked over. I'm not holding my breath, but uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see where this leads. I assume you did not see the Viking rules match, and if you did, you just didn't care. Oh, I saw it. It went across my screen fast forward. It, I mean, I got bits and pieces of it, but I saw that. If we're going to be technical, I technically did see it. Okay. Well, listen, I did watch it. I did enjoy this. I was I was among that camp, as you would probably imagine. I don't blame you. There's really no reason to give a shit about the Raiders. Uh, Elf Academy really made this thing work. Viking Raiders are great, too. They just Again, there's, they've been beaten down. They're the definition of damaged goods. And I enjoyed the match, though. I thought this worked as well as the first Viking Raiders rules match on SmackDown about a year ago against the New Day. They won this one as well. I would say, do the Viking Raiders from this win earn themselves an opportunity at the WWE Tag Team titles? But based on what I saw after the show, Alpha Academy are saying that the feud isn't over. So it seems like another match might be happening soon. Oh, jeez. Please, no. I mean, I, I, I feel like we always say like we need feuds that have, like, not on the titles. But I just feel like neither team... Alpha Academy's Academy, over. I like, I like Alpha Academy now that they're baby faces, but I mean, I wouldn't say like I'm head over heels for them. So I mean, I guess it's something. Like I said, I guess I can't complain too much, but I just the Raiders to me are just dead in the water, honestly. Yeah, I'm surprised they're still there. I, I like the team a lot, but uh, they just haven't really done anything overly exceptional in a very long time. Whether it be their fault or just the way they've been booked or whatever, I, I did like this match though. Like I said, I think Alpha Academy's gone over very well. Um, I would say them against Owens and Zayn. I was also going to say that would be a babyface baby face versus babyface match, and that wouldn't work, but I also recommended last week DIY versus Owens and Zayn. That would be two babyface teams as well. Um, but whatever. I, I do think at some point that would be a really good match to do, and maybe they win the next match. I don't know. Viking Raiders and Owens and Zayn would work fine. I mean, no one would really think they would win the titles, but um, that would probably be more of a Raw match than it would be a pay-per-view match. Uh, Shayna Baszler squashing Nikki Cross in literally under a minute. I mean, this was over quicker than Nikki's entrance. Um, I honestly don't really know what Shayna's supposed to be. Based on her post-match exchange with Ronda, which was which was good, Ronda rushed through her promo so fucking quickly. I mean, I just... 
I, I don't know if it's the material and the fact she just sounds scripted, like she's reading through a script, but she just is racing through it or what. She's just not good on the mic. She ain't so much better, and she kind of cleaned her up last week or two weeks ago whenever they did the initial exchange. Um, this was good. They officially set up the SummerSlam match. But again, I'm not really sure what the dynamic is supposed to be. I'm just kind of worried that people won't care about the match because we don't know who the babyface is. And people might say, oh, well, we don't really need a babyface. Well, I mean, you kind of need to... People don't really care about Shayna unless she's feuding about... Unless she's feuding with Ronda Rousey. She comes out to crickets. People don't give a shit about her matches. She beat a, a seemingly heel Emma last week, and she beat a babyface Nikki Cross here. So like I said, I'm not exactly sure what to think. Um, I'll ask you, I guess, what do you think of the... Uh, what we saw from Shayna and Ronda on Monday setting up the SummerSlam match and any updates on what you think the dynamic is supposed to be here? Uh, yeah, I, just, I feel like I think we're supposed to boo Shayna. I think we're supposed to cheer Ronda if I'm if we're going with the boo cheer. I just, I like, I don't know. Like you said, she beat a, a, fa- or a face Nikki Cross. So I, I would assume she's a heel, but then she beat Emma who... I would say she, Emma's a heel, so... I don't know, maybe she's just a tweener, she's never a role, I don't know, but I just feel like it's... I don't know, I just... I feel like we're supposed to cheer Ronda if we're, if we're picking sides here. I mean, you would... I don't know, just the way that she came across in the promo, you would think otherwise, so... It's just kind of odd, maybe Shayna remains heel after this feud is over, I would imagine. It's just, I don't know, I just continue to fear that whether she wins or loses, and I would have to think that she beats Ronda at SummerSlam... First of all, I'm glad they're doing the match at SummerSlam because it's a non-title women's match and uh, kind of adds another attraction of, of sorts to that show. Um, I just worry that even if she beats Ronda, she won't really cap... WWE specifically will not capitalize off that win for Shayna and she'll go right back to doing what she was doing on her own previously, which is to say nothing at all. Um, on that same note, though, I, I noted this the other day on Twitter, but it's worth acknowledging. It's not been made official yet, so this could change, obviously. But at the rate we're currently going, it looks like we're going to be getting four women's matches at SummerSlam, which has got to be some sort of a record, Two, including two non-title matches. Uh, Shayna and Ronda's made official. Rhea and Raquel is not official. And it's also possible that happens on Raw because, you know, Rhea and Natalia happened at Raw. That did not happen at Money in the Bank. But that could be added to SummerSlam, and it should be. Asuka, uh, Bar- excuse me, what the fuck am I saying? Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte... For the WWE Women's title should happen to the pay-per-view. Again, they were also left off of Money in the Bank, so that should be a triple threat at that pay-per-view. And then Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus, which I would have to imagine is going to be made official. Becky said on Raw, which we'll get to in a minute, that if she beats Zoe next week, she'll face Trish at SummerSlam, I believe, or whatever. So that's four women's matches. I don't know if one of them makes Raw or SmackDown, or if they just cut down on the card this year. Half of the card could be women's matches, and I don't think it's going to be half. I think we'll probably end up with nine matches because I think there's a number of other matches yet to be made official. We already have Brock and Cody, Rollins and Balor, Roman and Jay is happening, and Gunter and Drew. That's four right there. And that's not including um, other matches they might be doing as well. So your thoughts on the uh, SummerSlam card consisting of uh, a lot of women's matches this year, which is a positive step in the right direction for this division. I was going to say, I think that's a good thing. I think... The way that they're trying to get it is the more equal or, like, kind of 50-50. So, like, I mean, this would honestly be the perfect representation of 50-50. But I think they're also – it's not like they're given and not earned. I mean, I think if you – maybe if you want to say the Rhea or the Ronda and Shane, I mean, it kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know how many people are really clamoring for that one. But, I mean, I think the triple threat with Asuka, Bianca, and Charlotte should be really good. Rhea and Raquel – I think that's going to be really good. And then Becky and Trish, like said, not officially announced yet, but, I mean, I think that's where it's going as well. Um, so I think if, if earned, it's definitely worth it. Given's another story, but I think these these could be four really good matches. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, we, we talk a lot about the division and the fact they need more non-title stories and um, just more creative attention because there's been pay-per-views that have only had one women's match. Um, but not this one, seemingly. Again, that that could change, obviously. But based on what we've seen so far, that looks like that is the direction they're going in. And uh, no women's tag team title match. I'm all upset, I know. But you know, beyond that, I think they've done a good job of uh, crafting the card and adding more women to the show and making it matches that matter. It's not a number one contenders 
tag team title. Like, none of that bullshit. Like, this is a match. All matches actually matter, which is nice. Whether you care about the feeds or not is another question. Um, but the fact they're making at least an attempt is uh, admirable. So I appreciate that. Uh, we also had, speaking of, Becky and Trish. Uh, Miz TV, Becky Lynch was on Miz TV. And essentially, as they just mentioned, they made it official. Becky will face Zoe Stark in a rematch next week. If she beats Zoe, she will then face Trish. I don't know if they said at SummerSlam, but I, I can't imagine it would happen on Raw. Um, what I didn't like about this, I mean, the actual exchange was not good. It kind of felt like they had a couple lines in there and people just weren't reacting. And they, just, they didn't have a lot of chemistry here is what I'm trying to say. But what I also did not like about this was that they said if she beat Zoe then she gets Trish. If she loses to Zoe, she has to get a tattoo on her chest saying, thank you, Trish. I mean, I don't know if they meant losing to Zoe or if she loses to Trish or whatever. I just thought that was very fucking dumb because we know that's not going to happen. So it just, I mean, we already knew Becky was winning these matches, but I just feel like it makes it all the more obvious that she's, that she's going to be winning. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the stipulation, I honestly didn't even, I kind of must have missed that, but that's the stipulations probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life, but, you know, they always got to put some kind of hoopla in there, but, uh, like you said, it kind of makes it more, I don't know, obvious the right word, but it makes it more likely that, that she'll beat Zoe here, which, I mean, I think we're going to get Trish and, Zo- uh, Trish and Becky, so, not that it's a, like, oh my god, I'm so shocked, but, if, I mean, if she loses to, Be- if that's the stipulation for Trish and Becky, then, obviously, Becky's going to win. Yeah, it just makes sense, and I think that's a likely... Um, nice addition to the SummerSlam card, as I just mentioned, another non-title story. Again, whether you care about it or not, up to debate. It hasn't been the greatest feud, um, as I've said before, and as I just mentioned, as I just mentioned a minute ago. Um, but they're trying with it. It's keeping Becky busy outside of the title picture. It's better than her just being out there winning, winning random matches. So I appreciate that what they've done with these uh, with these women involved. And Zoe's getting way more TV time out of it than she would be if she wasn't involved in the story. I mean. Look at the call-ups in the last couple of months since the draft back in late May. or It's been almost three months, actually, since late April, early May. And Raw specifically, they got... I think I don't even know if Odyssey Jones is alive. He got drafted to Raw, but there has not been a <laughs> single mention of the guy. He might be in the back of a milk carton. I mean, I, I don't know if they went back on that one. It's not like he's in NXT. I assume he's hurt. Because I don't know what the fuck happened to Odyssey Jones. He might be dead. Um, I, I kid, but hopefully, seriously, he's okay. Um, among the other people, I don't have the list in front of me, but I know three people that were drafted to Raw. Indushir was one of them. They're not on TV every week, but they have more of a presence than these other three people. And those three people include Apollo Crews, which we had to expect would go right back to right, right back to fucking main event. I mean, that was obvious. And, uh, that's kind of where he's been. He had those two matches with, no, Woods faced Dominic twice. He faced Dominic once on Raw and that was it. And we haven't seen him since. Uh, J.D. McDonough, who I thought they were teasing with something with him in Judgment Day, which they were like a month ago, but he's just not on the show consistently enough for people to care. He had a mini-feud with Dolph that went nowhere. I, I don't even know if they had a match after that. I don't remember. Um, but he's barely on the show. And who was the other one? Oh, Indy Hartwell. Indy Hartwell was in that tag team turmoil match a couple of weeks ago with Candice. They were eliminated almost immediately. And I would say, well, maybe it's because she's still... I thought it was because she's still hurt, because she got hurt in NXT like Grayson Waller. And then, I don't even know if she got physical in that turmoil match a couple weeks ago, but maybe she didn't tag in. No, she was on main event a week or two ago facing fucking Dana Brooks. I'm thinking, okay, she's definitely not hurt, so why are they not... I mean, this is the former NXT Women's Champion. I mean, I know she's not Charlotte Flair, but it's like, how do you go from being NXT Women's Champion to not even being featured on Raw at all? Um, I just don't understand that whatsoever, so... Uh, I feel like they just might have too many people on the roster at this point. They have a problem where they just call up too many people or they fire everyone and they have no talent. Like, they need to find a happy medium of a number of people on these shows that they know what to do with them. Otherwise, we end up in situations like this, dude, where they just, we just don't see these people from week to week and they wonder why they don't get over. Yeah, it's definitely tough. I feel like the the management of how they've handled some of these people. I said, honestly, Jones, I mean... I have no idea where he is. I actually like him. I, Me I mean, too. I was, kind of sh- I was more shocked that he probably that he got called up more than anything else. But uh, I mean, I think Zoe Stark. I mean, she's definitely one of the one that sticks out. Like at least they're using her, and she's been pushed well, and all that stuff. So good for her because I feel like out of everyone else, she's definitely got the best push coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I just uh, I how are people? I thought like you said the McDonough. I'm pretty sure I read that like. 
they might have been cooled off on pushing like the whole Judgment Day thing with him. Because mm-hmm. like you said, we haven't seen him in weeks. So I don't know if they're going to go in that direction and they're going to wait or what they're going to do. So I guess technically like Finn and Damien are back on good terms. So maybe they're just going to hold off on, on McDonough and Judgment Day. So we'll see on that front. But I mean, like I said, Indy's not on the show. Um, I mean, Pretty Deadly's been all over SmackDown. Yeah, no, they didn't push well, yeah. Prince got hurt last week, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, they've been all over the show, so, like, them and Starks definitely pop out to me, like, they've definitely got their fair share of a run, but, like I said, there's also plenty of people I couldn't even tell you if I've even seen them on the show. I'd throw Waller in there, too. He's all over SmackDown as well. Correct, yeah. He just, I honestly just didn't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, he's on there weekly, but aside from them, though, they called up, I think, what, 12 people or something? They called up a lot of people and just... I can't even say they're booked poorly because they're not even on the show. I mean, they're booked they're booked poorly by not even being featured. It's the AEW issue where you sign someone and they don't use them. It's kind of what we're getting right now. And on a three hour show, and Raw was good this week. I love the Judgment Day stuff, but when the Judgment Day are in like five different segments and you don't have time for a two minute squash for JD McDonough to beat someone to at least help attempt to get him over, it's kind of a problem. So it's something they need to address and attempt to fix coming forward. Um, Bronson Reed, though, they brought him back back in December. Hasn't been involved in a lot of notes since then, but at least he's been on the show pretty consistently. I will say that Bronson Reed is someone they've tried to get tried to get over, and he's got over decently. I mean, he could still use better reactions, but um, he, he's doing his best, and he's a very talented guy. So I'm happy to see him doing well. He beat Nakamura again this week, this time by DQ following interference from Tommaso Ciampa. Now Nakamura attacking Ciampa afterward to me made sense. Ciampa was an idiot for interfering in the match itself and not waiting or whatever. So Nakamura was justified for attacking Ciampa. Uh, a couple things. One, do you think this is headed towards a triple threat? And the triple threat that we were probably going to get with Reed, Nakamura, and Ricochet before Ricochet kind of went off and did the Logan Paul thing, and that took off more than they thought it would. So kind of Ciampa's taking his role here. And we never found out why Bronson Reed attacked Ciampa. I thought we would get an explanation this week that Miz paid him off. No, they nothing. I mean, that made no fucking sense. I don't know why they really even did that in retrospect. And we thought, stupid me, oh, maybe a DIY reunion, Miz and Reed versus D. I mean, I'm just going to stop pitching that because obviously that's not the direction they're going in. What, what an idiot I am, you know? Um, so thoughts on this new feud involving Chomp and Nakamura and Reed? And is what we saw here from Nakamura leading to a heel turn? Which, if so, I think that'd be a very dumb idea just given how over he is. Um, I mean, I don't think he's going here. I don't think he's going here. I just, like, I feel like he was justified with attacking him. So, I mean, I hope that's not the direction going. I mean, he is popular. I just, I don't, honestly, I like Shinsuke. I just feel at this point, I, for me specifically, I just don't really care much about him anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, he's, he's just kind of been there for a while, and he's done not everything, but he's done a decent amount. And, I don't know, I just don't see him getting a pop. At this point, I don't see him getting, like, past a certain level so i'd rather them push like someone like reed or Ciampa, but i don't think he's going heel like you said i think just like frustration i will say i definitely think champ is like basically taking ricochet's spot in this feud um i mean at the end of the day i would have bronson go over i mean just keep pushing the guy mm-hmm. i feel like he gets like better reactions but i mean they don't also really give you a, a reason to really care about him i feel like he's like could use more dominant wins to kind of like solidify him a little bit more yeah. but Besides that, like maybe like someone to talk to for him. He's not the greatest talker of all time either. But um, at the end of the day, I would just have Chapa or I'd have Reed go over these two. I don't think it's going to turn knock more heel either. Yeah, I, I would hope not. Like you said, he's just kind of there at this point. I would agree with that. <clears throat> I would think with Reed, my biggest thing, Nakamura is over. So having him work with him is a plus. What I liked about the brief Bobby Lashley feud is that Bobby is over. So having him work with Bobby was great. But they were so short-lived, and they never really had a culmination to that mini-rivalry. Um, I think to really get Reed to the next level, I think he's got a feud with Cody or Seth at some point. Maybe not over the World Heavyweight Championship tomorrow, but I feel like those are the people that could really get Bronson Reed over, and I think that'd be a good matchup at some point. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think, like you said, the Bobby thing was good. You just have to kind of start being, like, known people to kind of start getting the ball rolling. Um, so yeah. definitely, like you said, like either definitely not for the world heavyweight championship because I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I would have him inverse Seth or, or Cody definitely help get him on the map here. I would agree. Just in due time, I would think maybe after this, you know, three way feud is over and he wins the triple threat, like you said, at some point, and, and we get that. Uh, the main event of the show became an undisputed WWE tag team title defense, as made earlier announced earlier in the episode, uh, with Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defending against the Judgment Day's Dominic Mysterio and Damian Priest. 
Real good match here. Owens and Zayn, I mean, listen, if you tell me, if you try to tell me that these two have cooled off since WrestleMania, I would call you a liar. Just because, I mean, they're not competing for the World Championship, but they main event Raw almost every fucking week. They've had a ton of defenses since WrestleMania. They've had great matches. I mean, they're working with all these teams in Perian, Pretty Deadly, The Usos, Judgment Day, and they're killing it every fucking time. I mean, these crowds love Owens and Zayn. Uh, and they're still getting mic time, they're entertaining, I mean, this is exactly what I wanted out of a tag team title run for them, and they're killing it, and this was another really, really good match. Um, Finn Balor and Rollins, by the way, was made official for SummerSlam earlier in the show, so that's happening. But uh, I, I just thought this was a really good match, it didn't really set anything forward. I thought this might be the SummerSlam match, but their card might be full, so that might have been why they did it here. Um, we'll talk about Dominic, we'll talk more about Dominic Mysterio in a moment, but... Maybe the fact they lost here will add to more tension within the group and Damien and Balor dissension. I don't really know, but I thought this was a kick-ass main event, though. What about you? No, I thought this was really good. Like I said, I, I will say, compared to where they were the bloodline, obviously Zayn and Owens has cooled off, I guess, in that aspect. Like, they're in the hottest thing going. Sure, yeah. Like I said, they also have been, like, to that point, yeah, they've cooled off a little bit. I mean, like you said, they're literally main eventing Raw every week. They're all over the show normally. Um, having great matches, so, I mean, on that aspect, I'd definitely say not, obviously, when you get removed from the bloodline, you're definitely going to cool off, it's just the hottest thing going right now, but, no, I thought this was a really good match, glad they retained, like I said, to continue dissension between the, the Judgment Day, I, I mean, I really like Zayn and Owens a lot, and I think they've done well with, with kind of going down a tier, technically, with not being in the bloodline storyline, but they've been carrying around. I agree, now, they've done a great job with it, and uh, I hope they can kind of continue that, and I don't know who's next in line for a title opportunity. I mentioned the Viking Raiders earlier, which is a step down in competition, obviously. But, you know, they won the Viking Rules match, so they want to do that as a Raw match or as a Raw title offense. That's perfectly fine with me. Maybe not pay-per-view worthy, but it is what it is. So Dominic got pinned here only for the second time since WrestleMania, the first being at Money in the Bank against Cody, I believe. I don't know if he's been pinned otherwise. That's what the commentator said. But he immediately bounced back on the next night's NXT, beating Wes Lee for the NXT North American Championship. Dirty Dom does it again, my friend. He is now a singles champion in WWE for the first time. He's a former tag team champion with his father, but never a singles champion until now. Um, I, I, I like it. I mean, I, I don't know how to feel about it. Someone asked me about it yesterday in hashtag. It's not like, oh, man, I'm freaking out. This is so great. I'm not saying it's not great. I'm just curious to see where it goes. Uh, maybe that's why I'm hesitant, because the Solo Sokoa thing, I thought, made sense because it was... He was he was feuding with Carmelo all of last year, so for him to come back and give Carmelo his comeuppance and take the title was fine, even though they gave it they took it right off of him like a week later, which was kind of dumb. I don't really know where this is going. I mean, they got to give him a real run though, even if it's a month. And I, I guess this means Dirty Dom is facing Mustafa Ali at the Great American Bash. It's also what kind of throws me for a loop because Ali and and um, Ali and and fucking Wesley were feuding, so the fact that's kind of cut short is odd. But listen, it adds more gold to the Judgment Day. Rhea's got a belt, Damien's got a briefcase, Dom's got a belt, Balor's the only one. So it kind of adds to the idea that Balor might be the weak link of the group. But uh, it's a cool development. I'm just curious to see where it goes. No, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I I, I, I was pretty excited. Not that I was like, overly excited, but like, I think to kind of keep his momentum going, specifically Dominic, he needs like something to crow about. So, I mean, it's not a main roster title, but I mean... I think he could probably use the work in NXT anyway, so, I mean, I, I like it. I didn't have any issue. I saw people, like, crying on the internet, like, why would they do that? I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, they're all over Raw. They kind of, like, I think he needs something to kind of, I mean, he's kind of like a loser in a sense, so he's kind of like, he's like a chicken shit, so, like, he needs something to crow about. I mean, he has Rhea, but, like, him now saying, like, he's a champion, like, that'll just go right up the fan's ass even more, so... I like it. I don't have a problem with it. It's better than him winning like the Intercontinental Champion in the United States at this point when I don't think he's totally ready for that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a good start. I mean, like I said, always be hesitant because you never know what the hell is going to happen. But I think it's a good start. I'll start with that. I like, I'm not going to say it's a great decision ever because next week could be terrible. But I think it's a good start and I like the idea. Yeah, so that that's my point. Like, I, I don't want to speak too soon because I, I feel like it could be a scenario where, like I said, as of right now, I think Ali, it's not the match where it's him and it's him and Lee one-on-one, -on -one, title or no title. No, I think Ali now faces Dominic at that Great American Bash show, which is kind of odd because Ali's now a heel, so right, he's he's a babyface parading, or he's a heel parading as a babyface, masquerading as a babyface. 
Um, so I'm not exactly sure. But I would I would think this, to me, would be a fucking waste. If they did this to... And, they, and it worked out because they got a rating spike on Tuesday, too, as they did for the Gold Rush shows with Seth Rollins on it and the following week on week two. But I would hate if they turn around on Tuesday and give it right back to Wesley, whether he beats Dominic for it or they vacate it or whatever. I just think that's a waste. I mean, Wesley's been champion for so long now that to have him just end it this way... He's been, he had been champion since October. That's a really long time. So for him to turn around and lose it, only to get it back a week later, to me, is very fucking dumb. I would not do that just for a quick shock moment. Um, but I would assume this is part of WWE's attempt to make NXT more must-see, right? And give more crossover appeal between the two brands by having Dominic walk around on the main roster as the NXT North American champion? Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I think that's... I mean, I'm no businessman, but I mean, I took a couple classes at college. I think that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. I know they're coming up with their their, their TV deals coming up soon. Um, Got to make it more sexy for their for the uh, network to renew. I mean, mm-hmm. they they've been doing good, better ratings. I mean, you said it, and I think I've said it. Like, I wouldn't say NXT is the greatest show ever, and people are like, "Oh, this is way worse than when it was black and gold." But I mean, the ratings they've pulled the last couple of weeks with just a smaller or a little bit more inclusion for main roster people. I mean. I think I saw a nose like the the segment with Dom and Wesley was like eight forty four. I mean, wow. that's really good for NXT. I mean, I'm surprised they do the numbers they do now, let alone that. So, I I, I get why they do it. I think the Judgment Day is the bloodline of Raw. I mean, they think you'd be dumb to not think that. But no, I I think it's a good step, especially for him who probably needs more seasoning. Um, I think anyone with a brain would say that. I think just with how the Judgment Day caught off, I think. There were probably reports he was going to go back down to NXT because I mean, it's not the greatest in the ring, but that kind of caught fire at the time. But mm-hmm. no, I, I, I think it's good. I like I said, I think it gives just also helps to give him like it's another thing to crow about and people to boo him and get pissed because he's just going to be like, oh, like I'm a champion. He's just a little chicken shit. Yeah, no, listen, he got great heat for it. It made for a great reaction in the NXT arena on Tuesday. So I am curious to see where it goes. It is working. Um, I would say. Like, everything you just mentioned, I completely agree with. If it felt forced, I would have an issue with it, but it doesn't. Like, even the Rollins thing made sense. I mean, I mentioned at the time, I don't like the fact that he's on NXT defending his championship and Roman Reigns would never be caught dead there. But, you know, aside from that, the idea that, you know, people are calling people out and people show up for one-shots and whatever. If it makes sense and they're putting the NXT people on the main roster as well for quick appearances like Braun Breaker, like Carmelo Hayes and people like that to kind of prepare them for when they are eventually on the main roster down the road, I think that's great. So uh, I, I like the move. I'm skeptical seeing where they go with the next. Uh, great American Bash is next Sunday, so they're going to have to figure out what the situation is as soon as the next day on Tuesday. Uh, but I am looking forward to seeing where they go with it from here. I think Dominic as a champion is going to be... <laughs> I mean, like you said, it's perfect because, one, he needs more experience. I um, mean, he wrestled his father at WrestleMania, I know, but you know he's not the greatest in the ring. And that Cody Rhodes match on Money in the Bank was pretty basic. Um, the match was was pretty good on Tuesday. But you're not going to give him... There's no titles to give him on the main roster. I mean, you can give him the tag titles maybe, but that's about it. Uh, Gunter's busy. Theory's on SmackDown. He's a heel anyway. Him as North American champion kind of makes perfect sense. So uh, I, I like this, and uh, I'm curious to see where it goes going forward. As we jump on into AEW on the Blood and Gut show from Wednesday in Boston, like I said, being there live, very fun show... One thing I forgot to mention last week that I wanted to that was newsworthy at the time, um, the fact that, you know, we have these blood and gut shows every year. This is uh, the first one in July. The first one was in May. The second one was in June. So every year, these dynamite shows, they call it like the biggest one of the year, blood and guts, winter is coming. They do Grand Slam, among other shows. There was talk last week from Fightful that Warner Brothers actually wants more AEW pay-per-views. Now, they did confirm All In's going to be on pay-per-view, and I don't think that's a knock on AEW for like, oh man, it should have been on Max and it would be a lot cheaper if it was. Obviously it would be. I don't think they could do it, not because of an AEW issue, but because the Max service itself is not ready for live streaming. So it won't be ready by then. I don't know when it's going to be ready, if ready at all. I would assume that's the next step. I mean, the the app has been around, HBO Max has been around for, for years now. I know it just transferred to Max, but it was it's been around for a long time. A lot of the live streaming services... Like, I don't know if Netflix does it, but, you know, Hulu does and Peacock and stuff like that. I've been doing live streaming since the start. So I don't know why it's taking this long, but that's a pay-per-view you have to buy all in and all out, I assume, as well. They might do a combo thing. 
that would make more sense. Expecting people to pay 50 bucks week after week is kind of weird. Um, but anyway, though, I just want to get your thoughts on the idea that, that Warner Brothers might be investing in more monthly pay-per-views, kind of following the WWE model. And I think less is more. Less is more with the WWE stuff. We've kind of gotten less WWE pay-per-views. They would do sometimes two a month. Um, I mean, they did this year with Backlash and United Champions, but they didn't have one in June. Monthly shows are fine. I mean, I'm just kind of curious what your take on it is. Are you a fan of it? Are you not a fan of it? Do you think it could help the product, or is it just too much? Uh, I mean, I'm with you. I feel like I'm less is more. Is kind of, I mean, I know WWE does it, and I, I wish they did less, honestly. Or just, like, use Raw and SmackDown to, like... Th- I feel like I get it to a point, but I feel like they could also use Raw and SmackDown to prop the rating, and, like, that could help as well, like, make it me more must-see if you did, like... Like, like, I wouldn't know if I wouldn't change the name like AEW does, like Winner's Coming and all that. I definitely wouldn't do that. But, like, use Raw to, like, showcase stuff instead of having a pay-per-view. It's, it's nice. I mean, I think it helped the rating a little bit. And, I mean, I think it's better than just a pay-per-view every month. But I also, like, feel like with the string of WWE's been doing lately, I don't mind having the pay-per-views every month. I feel mm-hmm. like they've all been pretty decent shows. So I guess it's kind of like a catch-2022 there. But, no, I think with AEW, I, I feel like... The pay-per-views they have now, are they're good. I, I wouldn't say I want more. Um, but, I mean, if that's what, if that's what the, the network wants, I mean, I, I could see it happening, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just, I, I agree. That's part of the problem, too, where with AEW, like, a show like this I really enjoyed, they make these specials. Not every single one is a barn burner. I mean, they kind of went overboard last year, specifically, when they had way too many themed dynamites that weren't overly special, like Beach Break, Fighter Fest, fight, like, what the fuck is this shit? Like, we're having these random specials month after month. <clears throat> I'm sorry, not even month after month, like week after week. Week, it'd be a week where you had a special edition of Dynamite, a regular week, and then back to a special edition of Dynamite. That didn't really mean anything, and it kind of hindered it. And they haven't really done that this year. I don't think they did Beach Break this year. I don't think they've done any special shows I don't even, like, they had St. Patrick's Day Slam. I think they only did that on Rampage. I don't think they did that on Dynamite. They haven't had any special Dynamites, I think, this year for the most part. Maybe one or two, including this one, Blood and Guts. But, um, yeah, I think having four or five shows a year is great because it's so different from what WWE does now, and they haven't done four or five shows a year since, like, the 90s and, like, 30 years. Um, The problem with doing, with not doing it, though, with, with what AEW does now... I think in theory it's great, but do you think this could improve the booking though? In the sense that there's a lot of a lot of the dynamites, specifically in the last year or so, have not felt overly consequential. Now it does help the shows when you have the monthly special edition of Dynamite to build those and put the big matches on there. But Dynamite has not felt overly important from week to week in a long time. Maybe monthly pay per views would change that you think, and maybe get more people on the show as opposed to shoving everyone as possible into a ten match four hour pay per view card. Do you think that would, would help with that at all? <sighs> I feel like that's such a tough question. I like I feel like it's like it could help or it could kill it. It's like kinda of, I feel like it's one of those I feel like it could help, but like they also like I feel like Tony Khan's also doing so many other things that it could like hinder it as well. It's like a tough thing I would say to predict because I feel like you would think like you said, like if you did it monthly then you could flush it out longer. And, like, get more people on the show instead of just stuffing everyone on the show. But then, I said they also have so much programming as it is. Like, having another PV every month on top of Ring of Honor and all 20 shows they have. I just... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it is a, that's a really good question, honestly. I just... I feel like it would be worse. But I... I it could help. It's one of those I would have to see it to then believe it, I guess. But I think it would hurt more. Yeah, it's just Stop weird. Yeah, it's just weird too because you have four or five shows a year as it is. I well, it's five because they have Forbidden Door and it's 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 not a one time thing. They did it this year. They did it last year. So let's say five, unless they up the amount of pay per views. Um, but they, even with four or five shows, you would think okay, this gives them more time to build stories. Two issues that they've had with that in the last year, I would say one being that some stories drag out for too fucking long. So you're having a feud that lasts three months, and it's just by the end, I just don't care, because you're kind of waiting to get to the pay-per-view, but it's like, I mean, this has been done like for so long without a match, or it's just not interesting. Could you improve upon that with, with while still also having four or five shows a year? Yes. 
But the second problem that AEW Tony Khan runs into every time with the current pay-per-view model is that with Double or Nothing specifically, dude, I mean, that was one of the most forgettable shows they've had probably ever on pay-per-view. It wasn't a bad show, but it was very missable. <clears throat> but they announced most of the card the week before. Forbidden Door was the same thing. And they end up being great shows, but I'm like, I just, I fucking, I hate when WWE used to do it. They don't do it a lot anymore. You know, SummerSlam's in two weeks, two and a half weeks. We know some of the matches. They still need to announce more, but we know a majority of the card. AEW doesn't know a majority of the card, and they announced 90% of the card. Ring of Honor didn't have any matches a week ago. I mean, it's the same issue they're having with Ring of Honor right now. I, I think monthly pay-per-views might be able to cut back on that. That might be one positive. Yeah, like I said, I think it's definitely possible. I just would have to see it. But like you said, I feel like they also get in the thing. It's like everything's just last minute. Like, yeah, SummerSlam, not everything's announced, but we can see, like, the direction they're going. Yeah. And, like, we named four or five matches that they're building up. And, I mean, I wouldn't be so – that's what we expect to happen. But I just feel like if you had more, I just – would we get more of the frantic, like, last-minute booking, mm-hmm. or would it be better? It's like, like you said, I feel like it's one of those things I would have to see it. I think I like it the way it is for them specifically now. Yeah. But I would have, like I said, I would have to definitely see it fleshed out. Mm-hmm. I think it could make it better. I just, I don't know. I would have, like, it's like, I, I've been repeating myself probably 20, I just would have to see it, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it might be, it might be, the same thoughts, like it might just be different issues. Like the positives might be better, but the the negatives might be worse. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, we probably won't find out anytime soon, though, because I, I would think they would only do this if they had monthly shows on Max. I, I can't imagine they're going to do monthly pay per views with people paying on Bleacher Report fifty dollars or whatever the fuck it is. I can't imagine that. I mean, that would just be stupid. There's no way people are going. I mean. I know you're a UFC fan. I don't know how often they have UFC pay-per-views at this point. With wrestling fans specifically, to go from paying for four or five shows, 50 bucks, you know, every couple of months, and then monthly, I just... It's the same thing with the WWE thing. Like, if they went off of Peacock, which seems inevitable. But if they leave Peacock and they go back to doing $50 pay-per-views monthly, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be finding different ways to watch these shows because that's just ridiculous. Um, I don't think AEW should do that either, but if it was on Max or 10 bucks a month, that might make it worthwhile. But talking about blood and guts real quick, um, the show itself I had a lot of fun at, actually. It was, a, it was a packed crowd in the TD Garden in Boston. I was surprised, as you were, that they ran that arena because they've done the... Uh, is it a Guinness or a Guinness? How do you pronounce it? A Guinness Arena. A Guinness Arena. They've been there multiple times, as obviously we've been there. They were there for the second ever Dynamite back in 2019. Um, no, they ran the TD Garden. It was, it was pretty packed, and I think the announced attendance, according to WrestleTex, I think they did... Unless they saw more tickets at the last minute, but they, I think they were $800, $800, 800 tickets short of a sellout. And it looked pretty full, too, being in the building, so that was good. Um, but to open the show, they had Jack Perry coming out with new look, new music, beating Hook for the FTW Championship. Hook's first loss, I believe, in, in AEW, first time he's been pinned, and losing the FTW title. I thought this was a lot of fun. I'm liking Heel Jungle. It's not Heel Jungle Boy. Heel Jack Perry so far. The new music was interesting. I don't know if I hate it. And um, with the FDW Championship, I'm hoping he wins it and then tosses it in the trash. If he wants to disrespect Hook and Taz, he's got to take the belt and throw it in the garbage. I feel like that's the only solution at this point. No, I agree. I mean, I think it's nice to get him going here, but the belt means legit nothing. Um, so if I was him, like you said, throw right in the garbage where it belongs, and we'll keep on moving. But, but like you said, the music... I mean, it felt very Gunther-esque, but, uh, I mean, it's different than the whoa, 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 so it's a good <laughs> You like that rendition? You're welcome. That was, that was pretty good. Uh, I think it was, uh, oh, man, I forgot the band, but whatever the band is, you did, you did a better job than they did, so. Baltimore. I'm Baltimore. Better. Hey, listen, you know your bands. Uh, <laughs> Tarzan Boy. Tarzan Boy by Baltimore, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I was listening to Baltimore just there. But uh, it was a it, it was a good match. I like where they're going with it. Heel Jack Perry is far better off currently than what Jungle Boy was doing right before he turned heel. So, and it gives both guys something to do. So I like this a lot. The Baker Squash really seemed to only exist to get women on the show because they were not on the show otherwise. I wish it was a more meaningful match. Um, I mean, they just got her out there to rebound from the loss to Ruby Soho from a couple of weeks ago, and that was really it. So n- nothing really to say there. The finals of the Blind Eliminator Tag Team Tournament, uh, MJF and Adam Cole going over Jericho Appreciation Society, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia. Now, I'm sure you fucking hated the dancing in the middle. I completely get it. I mean, I was there, and I, I thought it was 
funny enough. I mean, listen, if you thought it was stupid, I, that, I, I completely get it. But I just want to get your thoughts as well, specifically on the whole, the match I thought was great. I know you're a big MJF fan, as I am, and I know you like Cole. What have been your thoughts in the tag team? They won this thing. They're earning themselves an opportunity to FTR's tag team titles. And your thoughts also on the idea of, does Tony Khan go through with what he was probably originally planning by splitting these two up soon? Or do they go further with this and drag it out even longer because they've just been so popular in recent weeks and have gotten along so well and the chemistry's there, they're really fucking over. I mean, I don't think this is a stretch to say that it's the best part of Dynamite right now are MJF and Adam Cole. No, they definitely are. I mean, I didn't, like, hate the dancing thing. I just know if the foot was on the other shoe that people would be bitching about it. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I think they're very, they've are very they definitely done well with each other. I mean, I think if MGF turn eventually come if it comes to MGF turning on Adam Cole, Adam Cole looks like the biggest idiot ever. Yep. I mean, at this point, I would just run with it and keep them together. But I'd also turn Cole heel with MGF and, like, turn on Roddy. I just don't want to see MGF as a babyface. I think that the best way would be Cole joining MGF and being heel and then doing him and Roddy, honestly. Do you think that, that that's very possible? I think that'd be the ultimate swerve. Do you think they do that by beating the popular babyfaces in FTR for the tag team titles next week on Collision and then they go maybe it all in instead of doing MGF and Cole, which we kind of expected? I mean, I guess you still could, but... I think there's I I think there is a way to give them the titles. I'm not saying they should win the titles necessarily, but I think there's a way to give them the titles and have them have a brief run and give the belts back to FDR, maybe at Wembley, and then have them either turn on each other or call out Smartsum or whatever the fuck you do, and then Cole faces MJF it all out. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's definitely possible. I just feel like if it turns out that MJF just screws over Cole, Cole looks like a dumbass. He, he's got to see it coming. That. I mean, he's a fucking idiot if he does. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, I think, like, like I don't know if giving them a run like, I feel like MJ, I don't know if I'd give them a run. Like, I feel like if there's any other champions, maybe. I feel like FDR just so hot right now. I don't know if just giving them a run to just put them right back on him is worth it. Like, what's it, like a month rain? I mean, I guess you could kind of further what's going on in a month, but. Yeah, I mean, it is possible, like I said, or it could maybe Roddy, I don't know. I don't know what you really do, but it's definitely the best thing going, and that's not even without a question. No, dude, they were mega over last night. I mean, the the, the, the vignettes with them at uh, Kowloon, is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yeah, them them doing that thing. I don't, I've never been there, but I've heard enough about it to know that it was a popular destination in, in Boston. For them to do that, and I don't know, it's been great. They've actually put a lot of thought into this, and, and, and the storytelling and whatever has been great. Um, and MJF continues to knock it out of the park as the best thing on the entire show. So, uh, now this was a lot of fun. I would not be upset to see this continue because they work so well together and it's the best thing going in the tag team division outside of the match they caught that they had last week. I mean, what were your thoughts, uh, quickly on the FTR bullet club gold match from collision last week? I thought it was, I, I, I don't know if this is an exaggeration, but I thought it was one of the best matches so far in company history. I thought they killed it. Oh, I thought it was a great match. I, I agree with Uncle Dave, though. Only four and three-quarter stars. <laughs> time, so. But no, I loved it. I think, Bull, I think Collision specifically has definitely helped Bullet Club Gold or White and Juice. I mm-hmm. mean, really, they haven't won a ton, but at least we've got to see them weekly and kind of showcase what they had. Like, before, like, if you turn on the TV, any Joe Blow would see Jay White and be like, what's so special about him? And I think Collision's definitely got that out of him more than what we've seen on Dynamite and his appearances and like even at Forbidden Door and stuff. So I, I, I like the group. I feel like they need to probably win a little bit more or like get some gold, actual gold, no, no pun intended, to yeah. get it going here. But I thought it was a great match. Um, but I, I, I like what they're doing with Juice and, and Jay, and I guess you can include the guns as well. I agree. Yeah, no, I think the uh, the match was amazing, and I'm glad they're finally finding their footing as a faction. And they just, I, I thought they killed it. And I'm glad Collision's giving them that platform. And Collision, I just, I continue to say, is the best weekly wrestling show in my opinion. Even more so, definitely more so than Dynamite. Even more so than Raw and SmackDown. I enjoy SmackDown. SmackDown's a solid second, but um, Collision's been excellent. So I'm really enjoying what I've been seeing on Saturday nights. Uh, we finished this off here with the Blood and Guts match itself. Um, a spectacle, I said last night on Twitter, I mean, that's that's the best way to describe it, love it or hate it, I mean, the usual shenanigans, which they kind of have to do, just because it's called blood and guts, I think my biggest problem with stuff like this, like the bed of nails shit and attacks and whatever, which was clever the way that they did that with the, putting it through the top of the cage, my biggest issue with it, as we've talked about many times before, 
is that we see it every week on the show. They have street fights, and they have uh, lights-out matches, and they do this, and they do that, and they do it almost every fucking week to the point where it just doesn't mean anything. John Moxley specifically bleeding every week, and then bleeding here, it just doesn't mean anything, but... Um, the match, the crowd did have the did have fun of the match. I will give them that. Um, the Golden Elite, Kenny Omega, Kota Ibushi, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks beating Blackpool Combat Clubs, Moxley, Claudio, and Yuta. Um, Danielson was not in there. Obviously, he's hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Um, Takeshka was also in there, and Pack. Uh, Pack and Takeshka walked out on Blackpool Combat Club, which kind of makes sense because, I mean, Pack has issues with the Elite or his own team even, and they're setting up Claudio and Pack for Friday for the Ring of Honor World Championship, which is great. But um, it made sense because this isn't even their fight. Like, why would they give a fuck? So they left BCC and then BCC lost, which made sense. Uh, I enjoyed the match. I don't know where I would rank it amongst the other installments. They all kind of blend together for me. They didn't jump off the cage or do anything dumb. So, I mean, they did some dumb stuff, but nothing like that that would almost kill someone. So that was a positive. Um, I was a little... My, my top takeaway, though, was that Kota Ibushi just didn't look great. He looks different from the last time I saw him, which I new because he hasn't wrestled at all in like two years. He got hurt and he's only wrestled twice since then. He looked I mean, he's, he's ten times more in shape than I am, but he looked a little softer than he normally does. And he also didn't just have the most stellar showing. He just didn't do a whole lot, which was kind of a bummer because I know the guy's great. And we've seen him in the CWC for any WWE fan that followed that. So, anyway, your thoughts on Blood and Guts and uh, any, any takeaways here? I mean, once I saw the better nails, I was all sad. But, uh, <laughs> like you said, I just feel like we also, with like I don't know, I just feel like the whole point of, like, Blood and Guts War Games, or whatever I call it, like, that's supposed to be, like, the end-all. It's supposed to be, like, Hell in a Cell, basically. But we already seen them with, like, Anik in the arena. Yeah, we had some different players in there. But, like you said, we also have people bleeding every week, barbed wire, thumbtacks. It happens all the time. So, I mean, I, I guess this is what the people want. I mean, they do it every week, and people like it, I guess. So, I get it to that point. But, I don't know, it just didn't... It, I feel like the first couple installments were a little bit better. I just... I, I don't know, maybe I just, I'm not the biggest B, B, BCC or elite guy to begin with, so I just, I just, it just felt like the other ones, but uh, I liked like the, the uh, what, I don't even know what they were at the time, what was Jericho's group at the time, they were, oh, Jer- um, they were, Inner Circle, Inner Circle, like that one in the Pinnacle I liked a lot, um, I mean the JS one was kind of, eh, yeah, but, who gives a shit about them, yeah. But no, I mean, I just feel like, I don't know, like I said, I don't know if it's just because I didn't really care for who was in it, but it's like Moxie bleeding, what else is new? I'm surprised he didn't get it on you. Um, I mean, they like, they like choked Yuta out, but nothing ever even happened. They just called for the bell. That was kind of random. Mm-hmm. Um, Takeshka and Pac, like I said, I guess they had, wasn't really their fight, but them just kind of randomly walking out. Like, Cal was just like, let's go, and he just opened the door and left, like, isn't the door locked? Like, he just literally opened the, he, Takeshka literally opened the door and just walked right out yeah it's like fuck it i'm done so i don't know i'm i guess i'm glad it's over i don't really know where you go with anyone yeah i don't know i know we're gonna get kenny and takashka i mean that's definitely yeah 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 we'll probably get mox and pack coming up but like for the bucks i mean i honestly don't know i don't know what you do with them or hangman either i'm not sure i mean they can't go to saturday night so (laughs) they're not going for the trios titles are they (laughs) they'll probably put the belts on White and, and Juice just to put him on the box, honestly. Maybe, because you saw Malachi Black said that he's exclusive to Saturdays. He doesn't want to work Wednesdays. Did you see yeah, that? Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. <laughs> so that means we're not getting the elite in uh, House of Black again, which I'm not complaining about. I just don't know what you do with these guys, but I guess we'll find out in the near future. The problem is that you have a big, you have a big stadium show coming up in a month. A month. That's not that long. I mean, you only have four or five dynamites left, and I don't want to see a card put together at the last second. Now, I know they sold 80,000 tickets. I think that's amazing. But for people that are watching and are not going, I want a good show. And I know MJF and Cole are either going to face each other or be in a tag team match, like we said. But the rest of the card's kind of up in the air. Maybe Jamie Heater's back by then to face Tony Storm. That's an option. Omega and Takeshi seems to make sense. I, I don't really know what else you do. Like, this. I don't know if Punk faces Ricky Starks. You got the whole collision issue, so I don't. I don't really know. I honestly have no idea what they're going to do with that show. I mean, I guess we'll find out next week, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so, pal. But listen, I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed the show. Um, it was. I haven't been at Dynamite in a long time, so I, I thought it was fun. 
And Collision's coming actually to Hartford next Saturday, so I'll be there. I'll be there too. I got, Jeez, what a mark. I got my I got my whole fill of WWE and AEW for a whole month between SmackDown, Dynamite, Collision, and uh, and SummerSlam, obviously. So I'll be at everything for, and then I'll take a break from wrestling for a good five years after that. Probably not, but you know, still, it's nice to think about. Uh, this has been great, Mister Marcel. We'll talk more next week. Uh, nothing coming up next week. SummerSlam is the week after that, so obviously we'll talk in person when I see you in Detroit. Breaking down the pay-per-view, we'll do a live show there at some sort before we go to the show itself on Saturday. But until then, new shows or new episodes every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Find the show, uh, rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. Thursday. Have an awesome... Fuck, I'm messing up here, Mr. Marceau. Jesus Christ. Have an awesome one, Mr. He got through like an hour and then just... Fuck me, right? I mean, I guess it's better at the... I would actually prefer to the beginning so I can edit it out as opposed to the end, but whatever. Have a great one, Mr. Marceau. Enjoy the weekend. I'll catch your ass down the road. I'll talk to you, bro.